to be with us today. Wasn't that a great song? I love that. That's like one of our memories that grew up singing that. So thank you, Danny Sr., for leading us. And we hope Danny gets back. Uh, I hope she's not pushing in a hurricane. That couldn't be too good, could it? Today we continue our series on uh, four-letter words in the Bible that we don't hear a lot about. And uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we as a church, I think we've kind of changed some of the things that we hear and, and don't talk about as much. But anyway, I want to tell you a story first. I'm going to tell a story. When I was a young man, got in the driver's seat, and I was an only child. I was the oldest, the youngest, the best looking, the ugliest, the shortest, the tallest, you know what I mean? And I got my driver's license. I saved my money to get my car, you know, and I got my car, got my driver's license, and, and my dad set me down. He said, now, son, I'll tell you something. I want you to listen to me. Don't let your dad let you down. You know what I did? First week I was out, I was drag racing. <clears throat> and uh, funny thing happened, I, I didn't get caught drag racing, but I was on my way home one night, and I was pulling up to this stop sign. I had a Ford Jeep, you know, and it was busting in the middle of the night, you know, and uh, I, uh, I pulled up to the stop sign, and I turned my head in my Jeep, and I got scared, you know. And that problem was, I looked up in the mirror, and there were some red lights, you know, stop, and there's a mirror. They pulled me over. And I don't want to have my license, you know, like a Jeep or something. I forgot I had a badge. I mean, it was nice. <laughs> I don't have to have a badge in this car. So um, so I'm going to have to go to court because I'm not 18. I'm too young. I'm going to have to go to court. And by the way, I don't recommend drag racing on stop signs. Just keep that in mind. Okay? Because when you go to the court with your father and you're 16, the judge slams the hammer and says, you get your license suspended for six months. Well, that wasn't the worst part of the deal. The worst part of the deal was I was dating this girl. She had a yellow Pulsar, super duty. I had to ride in the passenger seat of a yellow Volkswagen super duty. Six months. When it was running. No, it was not running anymore. My point is, I would have been better off if I weren't listening. Okay. I'm sure that there are probably stories in this room that we can go around and talk about of how to do this. And that's the word that we're going to look at today. So before we do that, though, I want to begin with a word of prayer. So let's bow our heads together and let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we have to come together and worship you. Lord, it's all about you today. And so we're so grateful that you love us and that you give us the opportunity to be here and to serve you. So I pray right now in this time, Lord God, that you speak. And I pray that Holy Spirit would be in this room as we've already felt it and speak to us. Lord, speak to each one of us and give us courage and encouragement and stirring words that we can put into these people's hearts. Simply make them hear you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We say it in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, Amen. Talk about these four-letter words that are in the Bible that haven't been used a lot. And I did kind of research this a little bit. And I looked at different sermon things and different ideas and checking this stuff out. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the word holy. If you remember, I, I asked you at the beginning of the service, how many of you felt holy? And there was like a couple of people that had their hands up. And, and you know, I get that because it's kind of a, it should make it a little, want to be holier than thou kind of an attitude. But we realized that Peter said in his epistle that he said that we are to be holy like God's holy. And as we trust the Lord, we grow in our holiness towards him. It means following Jesus is what it means. We talked about that and imitating him in our thoughts and in our feelings and our words and our deeds. And it means loving God and loving our neighbor and with a love that can It's a four-letter word, and it's a beautiful word when we get the understanding. Because true holiness was not what the scribes and the Pharisees were after in the New Testament. They were after Jesus. The last 
last week we talked about fear. Remember, that was another four-letter word. And I said, what's the most uh, strongest, longest, most commanded thing in the New Testament that we talked about? And the answer was fear not. Fear not. And we saw that in 1 John 4, um, 18, it says that perfect love casts out fear. And we saw this image in Jesus Christ. We see what it looks like in a person in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Danny told us this a couple months ago, that the Bible says 365 times fear not. And so we see that's a word that's a relevant word and it's significant to the scripture. And today I want to talk to you about the word obey. That's why we're saying that scripture. I want us to look at the word obey. We don't talk about being obedient in the church here a lot. We don't. And I, and I think there's some reasons behind that. Perhaps perhaps it's because when we talk about obeying, it may have the, the, uh, the connotation that we have to work for our salvation. And we don't. Our salvation is by faith through grace in Jesus Christ. Amen? And obeying the Lord comes after we accept Him into our hearts because obeying uh, is what He wants us to do. He wants us to draw closer to Him. And when we realize God's grace, we respond to His grace by saying yes and being obedient. Just like when my father told me not to do that in the car, I did it, but I was sorry. And you know what I did? I repented. When I told my father, I said, Dad, I'm sorry I let you down. Broke my heart more than I let him down. You see, when, when we do stuff like that, it, it's different. And when we love something, we, we want to honor it, right? Here's the thing. When we, when we honor something, it means that we love the Lord. And because, you know, when we talk about this, this, this uh, grace and, and this thing of, of, of salvation and obeying, it, it all goes together. It all goes together. We want to serve him, serve him and show his grace. We want to, because we've experienced it, we want to show it to other people as well. There was a man named Malcolm Muggeridge, and he was a, uh, he was a speaker back years ago, and, and he said that he came to the Christian faith, but he said no to the Christian faith before he obeyed and said yes to the Christian faith. That happens a lot. It happens a lot. Sometimes people wait till later in life before they obey and follow God. C.S. Lewis was a, another apologist for Christianity. He said yes to the invitation, but he said, I first had to say no multiple times. See, grace, when it appears, it, it appears to us, and sometimes it overwhelms us. And, and it can appear to us, and we can say yes after we've said no so many times. Aren't you glad of that today? That we can say no, but we can say yes to God's grace if we embrace it as such. We can embrace Christianity and say, well, that, that's just in, in effect. How, how does that work? Listen, he's on the cross. He got pushed right to the front of the line. Wow, that's grace, folks. And so when we see obedience, we recognize that God calls us. We read the parables of Jesus. We see he talks about this kind of thing, and we can come to him. Uh, the second thing is perhaps we don't use the word obey is because it's more of a servant word than a master type word. I mean, if I have to obey somebody, that means i got to submit to them, right? And I'm not, I don't know about you, anybody here love to submit to other people? Not a hand goes up in the house. Anybody here like to be told what to do? I'm an overachiever in that. No, no, we don't like it. But the word obey means that we have to submit to God in our life and let him speak in our life. It's really sometimes a slap in the face to our self-controlled struggle. Perhaps that's really one of the reasons we don't talk about it much. Another thing is that we don't talk about it because it might drive new Christians away from the church when we tell them that it really does cost a discipleship if, if we have to serve God. Here's the thing about serving the Lord. When we're walking with the Lord and we're going like this and God comes to us and speaks and convicts our hearts, we turn and we repent. That means that we turn and go the other way. Amen? Instead, though, what happens sometimes in the church, we're going like this and God speaks to us and we get caught. And we go, I repent. That's not true repentance. You with me? 
repentance means to turn. And sometimes I think the church, we don't want to talk about this because it means that we got to change. With God's help, he changes us. I heard a preacher say, uh, there is a cost to discipleship, and we must seek the truth at any cost. And have sex with unbelievers, we don't feel like we should, but we do. An old preacher, uh, I heard him preach one time, he said, if a sermon doesn't confront sin, and if a preacher doesn't call us to a higher standard of living, and if its members don't feel convicted to become more like Christ and grow in their holiness, then call it a country club, call it a support group, but don't call it the church. Ought to get rid of all of them here, you know what I'm saying? story we're going to read today is in the gospel of Matthew and it's in chapter 21 and, and I love this story because it shows obedience and it shows grace and I like it here we can talk about grace you guys know that I love that that piece of, of God's grace he's given it extended to me day after day so if you have your Bible so I want you to turn to Matthew 21 verse 28 through 32 and here's what it says pay attention real carefully Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes the religious folk of the day he's talking to them here's what he says but what do you think about this a man with two sons told the older one, son, go out and work in the vineyard. Remember? Told him to go work in the vineyard. And the son answered, and he said, no, no, I'm not going. But later, later he changed his mind, and he went away. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I'll go. But he didn't. Which of the two obeyed his father? Jesus is asking them. Which of these two sons obeyed the father? And they replied, the first. And then Jesus explains his meaning. He says, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes are getting the kingdom of God before you. Good. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this coming, you refused to believe him and repent to the Father. Ain't no sugarcoating in this one, is there? Here's the thing. Jesus comes into Jerusalem as we read the rest of the chapter before this. He comes into Jerusalem. He encounters the religious people. He speaks very directly to them. They don't like him. They don't like what he's all about because he's, he's talking about grace. He's not talking about religion. He's talking about a personal experience with God. He's talking about something that changes your life. And he says to them in this story about these two sons, he says the first one says no, but he changes his mind. The second one says yes, but he doesn't follow through. And he teaches this truth. It's a truth of grace and obedience. A few minutes, we're just going to show you. You see, number one represents prostitutes and tax collectors. Now, to us, we kind of understand what that means, but even more so, I mean, he's telling them this is the lowest of the low. They can say no, but then they can say yes because God's grace has touched them. And then he's talking about son number two that says yes but doesn't do anything, and it's resonating with them because he's hitting them right between the eyes. What's happening to you? Jesus is saying that it was those who first said no, but later repented and changed their ways. Why? Because they accepted him. They accepted the teaching of John. John came preaching the gospel of, of repentance, remember? John the Baptist came, everybody thought he was crazy, man. He was saying, repent, repent. They lined up, they were being baptized, they were showing that they were changed people. There was obedience to what he was saying. These guys didn't accept it. Second point we consider here is that because those folks accepted John's teaching, they changed their lives and they followed him. The important thing to consider here is this, that authority is respected by the people. Radical 
demands and limitless mercy different than anything they'd ever heard. They had these rules and these lists of things that they were to do. Jesus comes along and he says, he says, follow me. He's pretty straightforward when he's talking to them. Did you notice that the second son was courteous and reverent, but he didn't follow through and show them anything? Here's the thing, it's not going to happen because you're courteous. It is going to affect the people making the commitment. Talking about what we believe is one thing, but living it is another. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about doing what he says. Does that mean we're perfect? No. No, that's why we have a Savior. That's why we have a God that loves us and we have grace. And when we repent, we change. The writer named Bob Goff, he says, if God was a lot more concerned about people, he's faithless than he was the people he created. Get that? Obeying is wonderful when we get because it makes our lives more meaningful. We find our purpose when we obey God and what He wants us to do. Benefits of being obedient. One of the first ones is this obedience empowers your witness to Christ. When we're doing what God's leading us to do, it empowers our walk. We said we need hope? No. But it feeds that perspective from seeking what our will is and we seek God's will in our lives. Second thing is obedience is the fruit. He's talking to these religious people, but they're not listening to him. They're not obedient to what he's saying. They're following their made rules up, and they're, they're not even seeing the Son of God yet. Obedience is an antidote to that. See, because obedience transforms our mind and our heart. Does it happen overnight? No, it doesn't happen overnight. But I can tell you this, when we're walking with the Lord, we're not the same person, are we? Are we the same person? The Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If that's happening and we're believing God, we're not the same person we was last year at this time. We're on a journey. We're on a journey. And we're following God as he transforms and works in our lives. You know, Jesus obeyed. But there were times when it was even difficult for him. How about in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do you remember what he said in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying? He said, my father, if it's possible, let this cup, cup be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. There's another place in Scripture where we see Jesus struggling with this. He says, and he, turned, he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother poured all the expensive wine. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus was obedient unto life. It's important that we're obedient because it will touch our lives and touch people around us. When I got saved, I had this little Bible that I carried. Me and her got married, and I got a job in a factory. And we were, I was working in a factory before the Lord called me to preach and to do a ministry. And I was working in this factory. I had this Bible in my hand, you know. And every time I'd go on a break, man, I'd get my Bible out. You know, and I wasn't like sitting there, hey, look at me, I'm reading my Bible. Here, Greg, check this out. You know, I was like reading my Bible because I was hungry for the Word. You know what I mean? I wanted the Word in my life. I wanted to do what he wanted me to do. And I'm reading my Bible, and this guy walks over to me and goes, hey, dude, how about that Bible? Bible. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Yeah, that's cool. You know, it changed my life. It changed my life, Pastor. Really? <laughs> you know what happened? Over the course of a couple of years, he kept coming back to me and asking me questions. And I had the privilege of leading him to Jesus after Jesus 
You know why? Because there's a God-sized hole in all of our hearts. We long for something. And only God can fill that spot. submit our will to him, we recognize what our purpose is. I was so excited this evening. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. It was about Jesus. And he's got that. Let me tell you something. Man, people are tired of people getting church. You know what I'm saying? You talk to younger people today, and they go, well, I ain't going to church. Nothing there but a bunch of hypocrites. I was years ago with we were going door to door back when that was real popular in the church and you needed to go knock on doors. And I remember I knocked on this door and the guy opened the door. He was a big dude. I mean, he was big. Like Larry, he was like seven foot tall. And I'm sitting there looking at this guy. I said, brother, we're from such, such church. We'd like for you to come visit us. He goes, I ain't going up there. Ain't but a bunch of hypocrites. I'm so out there. He's big. I said, well, hey, come on. One more ain't going to hurt nothing. <laughs> and the guy with me was like, okay, I'm out of here. I looked at the guy and I waited, you know, like whether I should run or not. He kind of glimmered and smiled, and then we started just talking and opened up the conversation. But the fact of the matter is people truly believe this. That's why it's so important that we're obedient to God because sometimes, as you've heard the saying, we're the only Bible that people will ever read. Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that we show people what Jesus wants them to do. One of my favorite teachers of all time, we had him in a, in a life group that we went to, and he was a publisher, worked in publishing, had all this money and smarts. And he was talking about, you know, serving God and being transparent, but also being real. And, and he said, you know, the biggest problem I have with being obedient is in my walk is when I'm driving in my car. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you how bad it is. I'm not going to put a fish on the back of my car. I said, why? He said, because I don't act like a Christian all the time. I'm driving my car. People don't like being, he was being transparent, but the fact of the matter was he was being honest about it, you know. It's like I told you, I think I said, you know, we're different when people find out who we are. I was on the phone one day here a couple of months ago. A guy heard me in the kitchen. I said, rack, 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 you know, with this hold one, push two, I'll, you know, operator, operator. It would never go to that. And I'm trying to get somebody to service. Finally, I get this lady, and I'm just livid. And she's asking me all these questions, and I'm ranting and raving like a rabid dog. And she says, okay, Mr. Holland, I got this now. I got this, and I got this now. Now, now where do you work? something that we try to grow and we learn in, you know, Jesus dwells in us. We're supposed to be do- doers of the word, not just hearers. Look at James 1.22, it says, but don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror, you see yourself and walk away regretting it. Somebody said, is it faith or is it works? This has been the argument for years in the church, hadn't it, Brother Randy? People want to know if it's faith or if it's, here's what it is, it's faith that works. Faith that works. Do we make mistakes? Absolutely. Do we stumble? Absolutely. And then we got to learn to continue to be obedient to God and listen to what he is saying to us today. One of my favorite preachers is Chuck Swindoll. Some of you might listen to him. He tells a story that kind of gives a great illustration. Listen to this. He says, imagine if you will that you work for a company whose president found it necessary to travel out of the country and spend an extended period of time abroad. So he says to you and the other employees, look, I'm going to leave, and while I'm gone, I want you to pay close attention to your business. You manage things relatively while I'm gone. I'll write to you regularly, 
And when I do, I'll instruct you in what you should do from now on until I return from that trip. Follow me? Paul flees because he won't hear the instruction. Those of you that are in companies and have people work for you, get this? Tracking along with me? Listen, he says he leaves and stays gone for a couple of years, and then during that time, he often writes him and tells him what to do, communicating his desires and concerns. Finally, when he comes home, he walks up to the front door of his company, and he immediately discovers everything he needs to know. Weeds are growing and flourishing on the flower beds. He looks over, and the windows are broken across the front of the building, and, and the lady at the front desk is, do- is dozing. Uh, loud music's roaring from the uh, level of off several rooms. Two or three people are engaged in horseplay, throwing stuff across the office. Instead of making a profit, the business has suffered a breakdown. And without hesitation, he calls everyone together, and with a frown, he asks, What happened? Didn't you get my letters? Here's what they say. Oh, yeah, sure, we got them. We all got your letters. We even bound them in a book. Some of us have them memorized. In fact, we have letter studies every Sunday. You know, those who really are great letters, uh, I think the president would would then ask, but what did you do about the situation? And they'd say, I don't know. And no doubt the employees would tell him, do nothing. We read it, every one of them. That's not the message of Scripture. I've told you and I've told you over and over again, most of the churches closing in the South are Christian churches. And 900 Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches closing in the city. Why? Because it kills you to have to reach people. To have to reach people, to have to be obedient to what God's calling us to do in our city. To go forward. Sometimes it's difficult because we're going against our grain. But God's called, if, if, if God hasn't called you, any of you, to go against what you're doing, his, your, your grain, your message, Anybody ever get that? It's like, hey, Kent, I want you to go. I want you to be the senior pastor. Really? You know, I mean, it wasn't like that's really what I set out to do. Changes to a new life. I was given the name of the town in Indiana. I mean, I was under that name. I mean, I didn't do that. God has a whole new life for each one of us. Sometimes. the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 it says this and whatever you do or say do it as a representative of the Lord uh, the Lord Jesus giving thanks to him to God the Father whatever you do or say remind me of that tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock right Christian life is often filled with things here and there and here because it's not normal for us or natural for us sometimes to to go the extra mile. It's not normal or natural for us to reach out and extend a hand to some, somebody in the church here. And then we go about like mind just wandering off the track. Amen? And Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive in this life. And those of us who've done that, and those of you who have done that, I'm convinced that you know that to be true. Brother Danny shared in his service, in the early service, he sent what he offered. He said, you know, he, he made a vow. He's going to try to outgive God. Watch this. And he said, God kept pouring them on me continuously. And that's the way God does. He blesses us in the church. Amen. In fact, I found out if you give your tithe to the church, it's that, that you know, the 10% thing, you can do more with the 90, right? I don't know how it works, but it works. Perhaps because when we get to principles of giving, we realize that we don't need to do that. 
that when we die to our selfish desires and grow in his knowledge and grace, we grow in his love. And that's what it's all about. How you love goes with love. Paul says that love always perseveres. You know, that's one of the things in the church that I, that I think we need to work on. One of the admonitions is that all churches that you need to be more patient with one another. Um, you know, more patient with somebody when, when they say something that goes up the drain of my back and I, I, I need God help me. one another, to be more patient, obedient, obedience demonstrates that we love God. The third thing is obedience demonstrates that we trust Him. We really trust God. We see it over and over again in the Bible. Individuals on their journeys of faith, at some point, obedience leads to trust. You know, story after story, there's a man in there that built a boat, hadn't seen water in a place where there's no rain, he builds a boat, There's another story in there. We just read it in our life group on Wednesday nights where the guy was 90 years old, and God speaks to him and says, I'm going to make you the father of great nations. As, as the stars are in the sky, that's how your children will look. That's what it's going to look like. And he's like 90 years old, and his wife told him, you laughed out loud. He became an outcast. Listen, obedience. Obedience demonstrates our trust in God. That story over and over again. On and on it goes. How about the story in the Gospels where Jesus is walking with the disciples? They get over here, and all these people are hungry, and they're tired, and, and we got anything to eat. And Jesus says, you got some fish that's cooked up. Well, bring them here, too. And he brings over the fish, and, and there's, what is it, the 5,000, uh, feeding of 5,000 people, the five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus prays over it and does what they're supposed to do. And next thing you know, they got fish and chips for everybody. <laughs> but the Bible says they went away full. What's that show us? You see, when we're obedient, it demonstrates that we're trusting God, that perhaps maybe we don't need as much as we thought we needed. And that helps us to trust Him. We always keep our trust in God. Always. Trust on your feet. You got that one down yet? <laughs> this, is a, this is a whole lot better. Starting with a profession of faith. Seeking God in our me of a story about a guy sitting on the couch with his son there watching TV, and, and there was this TV show, show about unexplained mi mi mysteries, and the father was trying to teach his son a lesson about, you know, living every day to its fullest, and so the father said to his son, remember, son, while you're young, you need to live every day as if it was your last, and the kid looked over at his dad and he said, I tried that once, and he grounded me for a month. When we get the perspective that God is the first thing, it changes the direction of our life. And that's where, you know, there are times when God reveals himself and we might do things that are referred to earthly colors as what? Just like Abel. What? Really? And we find that we're still obedient. You know, here's something that, and I wish we were into this. Do you realize that when we accept Jesus into our heart and by faith we accept God and you begin to follow him, do you realize the Holy Spirit moves into your life? You know the Holy Spirit's living in you if you're a child of God? I had a preacher call me, and he said, Brother Holland, I'd just love to call and talk to you. He said, you know, you encouraged me, and, and you know, I, I've never served under, uh, and you're like a senior pastor there. And, and I'm just, I said, listen, son, three years ago I was leading music. What are you talking about? 
I said, you get that book out, and you open that book up, and if God calls you, you tell him what God tells you to tell him. And don't you worry about what I'm saying. Amen? Disciples were in the boat, they were asleep. And they went to sleep. You think they had any emotions what it's going to look like? All of a sudden the waves start coming and they're seeing these drops like these seas like that. You see fishes coming around all the time. Lord have mercy, you got to be kidding me. They came up and they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus said, Peace be still. That didn't look anything like what they had expected. And neither will the situation that you're going through today. Before I die, I mean to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I'm going to climb Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top. He looks at Mark Twain and replies, I have a better idea. I should just stay here in Boston.
says he will or won't work in the vineyard, he will not work if he believes that later he does. The other one says that he will work, but he doesn't. I guess the principle of those two questions is what will you do? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your word. Keep it sweet to us. Give us hope. Keep us attentive to of obedience is what you want from us for grace is what you give us bless us thank you thank you for this father as we pause in this next few minutes and we sing i just pray god that our hearts would be responsive to you i pray god that as we carry burdens today that we would give them to you thank you for loving us and caring for us today